said that must have been talking about Talladega. It's a place where chaos mixes with speed. And a playoffs weekend becomes a lifetime of memories. It's a tradition like no other. And a track like no other. And after it's all over, you still won't believe it ever happened. NASCAR Playoffs Weekend at Talladega, September 30th through October 1st. Get your tickets now at talladegasuperspeedway.com. at the track the hot pass racing network puts you at the track with arca and all the major nascar series from daytona to the final checkered flag the hot pass racing network is your inside pass all right guys welcome back to the rowdy maglite show on monday morning uh we got the winners from this week at bristol a lot of big storylines out of bristol guys uh no more dirt at bristol hallelujah maybe they'll decide to I mean, I don't see nothing wrong with the track at Charlotte, next to Charlotte, the dirt track where they race the world of outlaws. Great place and facility. They wouldn't have to do much to it. It's ready to go. It's located right around the, the shops. I thought that would be the best place to do it, give them a little bit more time. And it is a dirt track. I, I really haven't seen nothing impressive out of Bristol dirt. Um, I'm sorry if this. I haven't seen it, but guys, uh, a lot of big storylines coming out of there. Denny or uh, Denny Hamlin winning, but Kevin Harvick not making uh, the chase. I mean, he got eliminated out of the chase, and uh, that that's not a good way to end the year. But uh, first of all, we're gonna start. Let's start with uh, there was big news coming out of college. And uh, Chris, Chris Wright, man, what an inspiration. Always good to see Chris at the track. All right. Good afternoon. We're going to continue here with our media availabilities at Bristol Motor Speedway. We've now been joined by Matt Colleg, who's the owner of Colleg Racing, Chris Rice, the president of Colleg Racing, and driver Daniel Hemrick. Um, I will turn it over to Matt or Chris to get us started here this afternoon. Well, guys, um, I don't know if this is working, but I'm loud enough to, for you guys to hear me. But um, we love doing these at the racetrack because of you guys. Uh, we know that if we don't have the media and we don't have the people that's in this sport, it's uh, no way that we get this out to our race fans. And we love our race fans. We love everything about our race fans. Um, and I said this to our race team on Wednesday. Uh, you know, tough times only last a short period of time. Tough people last a long time. And when we started this journey with Daniel Hemrick and, uh, back in February about cup racing and different things, that's what we talked about. We talked about it a lot. And, you know, with the partnership, the circle, and everybody that goes along with this, it was just evident that it wasn't going to take long for Daniel to work as hard as he worked behind the scenes, not on the racetrack, but behind the scenes, to be able to go back cup racing. I know his first time that he went cup racing, it wasn't um, the best. He probably beat himself to death every time he left, and he probably didn't have a good time with it. But our plan is to go have a good time with it, whether we run. We obviously want to win, and we want to win, win trophies. That's what Matt wants to do. But for our partners, Daniel's partners and everybody else, we're glad to tell you that Daniel Hemrick will drive the 31 car in 2024. 
So congratulations, Danny. Appreciate it, Chris. Thanks, man. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, we, we've been working on this for, what, we said probably since February, like to, to uh, just to advance our race team, uh, to advance our cup program. You know, I mean, with, with uh, even, even since last year, when we look at, even at the race shop, when we try to improve our program, so whether it's with the Xfinity cars or with the cup cars, uh, we feel like the best way to even advance our cup program is to have Daniel Hemrick uh, in that 31. So uh, couldn't be more excited. I'm super excited for you. And, uh, you know, Daniel's been a huge part of our race team. He's been a, a great uh, teammate. He's been a great family member. And uh, I'm just I'm super excited that uh, that he's gonna he's staying on with us and uh, we're gonna be we're gonna be cup racing. Matt's so excited he flew in four hours early before the race. So that tells you how excited. <laughs> I thought he something is. went wrong, like he was shutting the deal down. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing here so early? <laughs> no, I man, I, I appreciate these guys. You know, they went to bat for me whenever I didn't know what I had next um, in 2021, and I said then whenever you know I got to sit down actually hear them out, hear what their vision was, uh, not only for 2024, 2025, and beyond. Back well before that was on the horizon, I knew after hearing what they had to say that, you know, I wanted to be a part of it. And, you, you know, you never promise anything. You never know what's to come. But, you know, one thing that's always been true, that you keep showing up, right? You put the work in, um, you know, you, you bring that heart each and every week, then you're going to have the same shot as, as you can only dream of. And, um, yeah, it's been uh, a whirlwind, at least, um, doing the best hold it together up here, but yeah. it's here, going back. Daniel talked in front of our group, and then uh, I guess we can open it up for questions. He talked in front of our group on Wednesday, and I want to tell this story because this was very special to me. We'd done the handshake uh, in my office, and uh, I was talking to Alec, Alan on, on text message back and forth, and um, when he talked to our group, he got emotional. He got emotional because he cares. And sometimes it doesn't matter how you run on a racetrack. It's about how much you care, you know. And, and I think that's going to feed through our shop. We know that cup racing is hard. We understand it. And, and obviously that, you know, having two cars in the cup series is, has been tough. We're in a year and a half, and, I, you know, we want to win races. And A.J. and Justin have done an amazing job and and absolutely done things that that we didn't think we would see over the first year and a half and i think daniel will, will have the heart and caring enough to continue that on so we appreciate that and we love that about daniel and his entire family kenzie his two kids uh one of them's wearing a helmet already i don't know if he's going to be a race car <laughs> driver or what but yeah so but yeah thank you guys for for listening to us and hearing us we love you guys and we appreciate everything you do for us i'm gonna start with the first question though I mean, I feel like I should have walked in here with the tank top on based off the arm picture. Anybody else agree? <laughs> All right. We'll now go to questions from the media. If you have a question, raise your hand. We'll work to get a mic to you. We'll start up front with Jeff Gluck. Were you, were you surprised that you have an identifiable arm, according to the Internet? Or was that a – Yeah, that was, that was a bit bizarre. <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually told these two guys, walking over here, literally 30 seconds before we walked in, I'm like, I have you know, I almost – I. Uh, I had many moments this week where I got these random texts, and everybody knows I'm not going to lie to them. And they know if I didn't get a response, they knew the answer via family text. And um, I actually took a screenshot, sent it to Chris within 15 minutes of it getting posted of the handshake photo. And um, it was Blaney's like, 
We've been on enough vacations together. I know those arms. <laughs> and uh, they, it, was, it was funny just to have people within the industry and family members and stuff reach out and like lips are tied until until uh, Friday. But yeah, it was it was pretty bizarre to witness how it all went down. My wife told me she said you should have done a girl's arm or something. You should have not done his arm. That was crazy. <laughs> Do you think people would figure it out from the arm? You know, I wasn't so when. It, Honestly, Daniel can tell you how that come about. I'm always, and Matt tells me that I have this weird mind like this. I'm always trying to figure out what's going to stump the crowd, right? No matter what it is, what we're doing, I didn't think it would go that deep. I did think they would figure it out. But, man, race fans, are they want to find out. You know, Bob walked up to me, I don't know, last week or a couple of weeks ago, and he said it was Daniel Hemrick. And I, I, I can't lie, right? I can't lie. I might not tell you something, but I can't lie. And it was when we did that, I never knew they would get down to the freckle. Like, I never knew it would go that my I didn't daughter, even know I had a freckle. My daughter's <laughs> pregnant, and I think she went into labor after looking at all the comments. I'm like, quit looking at all the comments, That's please. <laughs> That's funny. All right. We'll go to Bob. Bob Pockers, Fox Sports. I have two first for Daniel. How different of a cup driver are you now than what you were in 2019? We're going to find out. I mean, in all reality, no, I feel like, you know, through the process of just trying to be a, a, a better person, a better racer over the last, what's it been, five years? You know, you, you do learn a lot about yourself through those ups and through those downs. Um, you know, I, I know just from attaching to what a race car driver at that level has to go through, through preparation and, and being on the racetrack, but more so, losing me there, but more so what happens once you leave the racetrack, right? Like how to detach, how to still, you know, mentally stay sound at home and, and still be the best father and the best husband. So, yeah, I know without a shadow of doubt, I would be, um, it'd be naive for me to think that I'm the same person, and I'm not. And I'm excited about, you know, the person I am going into this new opportunity, to say the least, Bob. And for Chris or Matt, uh, you have another car, the 16. What is, do you know what AJ is going to do next year? And also, uh, Noah Gregson got reinstated this week. He's driven for you guys before. Is there any interest in him either on the Cup or Xfinity side? We're super excited about our 16 car, but we, we honestly come in here today about the 31, and um, I would love to sit here and tell you, you know, everything that's going on. Yes, AJ is very crucial. He was a big decision factor with Daniel. I'll be dead honest with you. We brought it to AJ first um, because AJ is part of our colleague racing. I think his middle name is colleague, so, um, but we didn't I knew it. it. Yeah, you knew it. <laughs> we made him change it. Yeah. All right, Zach. Zach Sterniello on uh, NASCAR.com. Daniel, um, you had next-gen cup experience last year. How much is that going to be a benefit going into this, knowing that you're not coming into this car blind? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And you know, obviously, I think I said it after obviously I ran the first handful of races in that car, right, brand new to the entire garage, and you know went to Daytona and kind of survived and ran top 15, but then went to Fontana and, and unloaded inside the top 10, ran and qualified inside the top five, if I believe, and. And we're running there before we had a mechanical failure that put us six laps down. Then to come back, make those laps up, and get a top ten finish, I got out of that car right then. And, um, man, for me, it was like all of the 2019, the years, trying to figure out how to even get back into a cup seat period, even though then it was only on a part-time basis, was felt like, yeah, you're right. You can do this back at this level. And for me, that was like, okay, how do, I, how do, we, how do we bridge this gap? How do I get back there full-time? Um, so I use a, a lot of that experience. I'll be able to continue to use that experience that I got last year um, and really feel like just in general, the garage changes so fast. Um, I'm sure if we went back to Fontana tomorrow, that what I drove and felt in that car is not going to feel like it does today. But just to know you can go and compete and, and run up front, qualify that good and race that good and, 
It's when you've been in a situation where you've struggled to feel like you were physically capable of doing it after, you know, let down, whether it be self-induced or team-induced, to go and prove to yourself that you can do it, that's all the experience I need to gain that particular day, and that's why I look forward to what's ahead. All right, we're going to go to Claire. Claire B. Lang. Claire B. Lang, Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. Daniel, it's amazing to me how you have weathered the ups and downs. You're fine, I got you. How you have weathered the ups and downs of this sport, right? Rides, no rides, either you're high and coming into it, biggest thing ever, or you're struggling and trying to figure it out. How hard has that been, and what is it like to finally get where you're at now after hanging in there all this time and, you know, all these twists and turns? Yeah, I mean, and just because this opportunity is here doesn't mean it'll be there well into the future, right? So you, you just try to do your best, and right now, and, and right now is all that matters, um, you know, through the past. You know, it's, it's taken a support group that's been incredible, like my wife, Kenzie, is like, like Matt, Chris here to both sides of me, and everyone else around me, right, like to, to lift you up in those times where, you know, you are second-guessing yourself. Um, and then at the end of the day, everything else outside of that, if they're not on your team, right, they're not your core group, it's just noise. And to me, it's been about eliminating that noise and just, you know, keeping your head down. And, um, yeah, it's just it's very surreal, but not something that I haven't worked every day since 2019 to figure back out. All right, Stephen, then Lee, go ahead. Stephen Toronto, CBS Sports. Stephen Toronto. I guess I'll just go with this. Stephen Toronto, CBS Sports. Daniel, one of the things that's changed about this sport in the past 10 years at, at the cup level is there's so the opportunities are so much more limited now than they were in the past because, yep. you know, as opposed to, 43, 47, 50 cars in cup, there's 36 now from week to week, which has made it so that the opportunities to be in a cup car are much more limited. And if you cycle out of cup, it becomes much more difficult to get back in. So considering that, how do you, you know, how fortunate do you feel to have cycled back into cup? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just a testament of, of kind of values from a kid, right? Like you are constantly trying to find your way, whether it be in racing or not. I think all the way back to my short track career, watching people that I'd go and, and mentor and driver coach, right, and then they get their shot continue up the ladder, and I'd still be at that same local level trying to figure out how – well, I, hang on, that. how do they get to go on? Is that how it works, Claire? You hit it. Um, I, I bring that up because this opportunity feels no different than that. I feel like in due time, in the right time in general, um, you just end up – you end up exactly where you're supposed to be. And uh, I think about that, and I think about all the kids around the world trying to figure this out, right? Like, my mentality, I'm, I'm not sure what theirs are or what those out there today are. But for me, it was if I just keep going, right, one more step, figure it out. And when that guy decides he can't go no more, I went one more, I'll get shot. Thanks, Daniel. Lee Spencer, CatchFence.com. Matt, this is your second full season in Cup. How much tougher is it? I mean, given all the success you had in the Xfinity Series, you almost made it look easy coming in. Talk about how just the level of difficulty to run a successful cup program it is compared to what you were able to accomplish so quickly in Xfinity. Yeah, and, and so it is our second full-time season. Um, yeah, it's been – I wouldn't say it's been tough. I think we're, I think we're making progress exactly – the way that we that we planned, um, you know, if we look at when we started when we started the team, what eight years ago, 
uh, it wasn't easy. We weren't running great in the Xfinity Series in year two. And so it just it takes it takes a little bit. You got to get the right team. You got to get the right teammates. You got to get the right drivers. And so I mean, even what we're doing here today, talking about uh, you know Daniel and the 31 car and how we continue to get better, um, we're just we're making progress. Whenever you're talking about anything in business, it just it takes sometimes it takes time. It takes uh, it takes experience. It takes time. And um, I'm really, really proud of actually how both of our teams have run, or all of our teams have run this year, and um, and really looking forward to the future. And, and what are what are your thoughts on the current charter situation? <clears throat> on our current charter situation? <laughs> uh, I think I think we're making good progress. I, I I feel good about everything that's going on actually. So I don't really. So I don't really have too many comments about it. Good answer. Thank you. All right. Alan, did you have a question? Sorry if I saw your hand and it wasn't real. <laughs> Alan, Alan Kavana, PRN. Um, you, you, you've talked about it, Daniel. It's so rare to get a second chance at the top level. Did you ever doubt yourself or worry that teams doubted your abilities? Oh, yeah, sure. Absolutely. And I'm sure they still will. And that's fine. I'll still keep showing up. Pretty simple. All right, we're going to go back to Zach for a question. Dan, you're, you're also chasing this Xfinity Series championship. Um, now that you, you know for sure that this is done, deal signed, announced out there, how much does this help you focus on the task at hand? And, Chris, if you could comment on um, the belief in Daniel's ability to go chase this Xfinity championship as well. Yeah, I mean, for me, obviously, right, it's, uh, my wife and I joke about this. I say joke about it, but serious conversations when you're trying to, you know, go through these waters and navigate, you know, when it's just you and you're only worried about you, like you can afford to work on stuff like this and fail at it and, and there's nobody else relying on you. And I think anybody in here with, with kids and wives and family, right, when there's more and more people that depend on you, it becomes a, a bigger distraction without a doubt. So, yes, yeah, incredibly, um, it's, it's the best sleep aid, helps you sleep when you know you, you, get, your, uh, you get your deals done and you ain't got to worry about it. So, and it's only fair to, you know, the men and women inside of our shop, everyone at College Grayson, right? Everybody wants to know what's happening. Um, you know, they want to know if they got a job next year, who's running what. And that matters to everybody's decision. There's a lot of people depending on them. So um, just a trickle effect that lets all of us buckle down and, and um, zero back in on the task at hand. And there's no better time to now than get it, get it out there, um, you know, in front of everyone just so we can refocus. Um, I wouldn't have came here when I did if I didn't think we could win, win races and win championships and, you know, to have partners like Circle that – believe the same thing, right? They want us back focused and um, be able to announce this today and put our head where it needs to be. That's what it's all about today. Yeah, and, and you talk about can Daniel win a championship. I think as a race team, we got to get better. I don't I don't think we're where we need to be. I told Claire at Darlington it's unacceptable. And um, last week we go and have two failures that's out of our control. And, you know, but actually what that did is made us learn. We learned a lot last week, and uh, Daniel's unloaded last two weeks, top of the board, and um, I think we got to do our job. I, I think right now the team, us as a group, we got to get together and, and start cooking off some wins and quick, clicking off some. We got to win stages, and we got to do stuff like that and have good runs to be able to get to the final four because I, I feel like two cars are already locked in with the 20 and 21. I think it's only two places left open, so uh, we got to beat everybody to get there, and I think. With this being Daniel knowing what he's doing over the next you know year is, is always good, but as a, as a team, I think Alex Shantz and everybody has worked super hard to uh, fix all the issues and 
I look forward to today and, and mainly Texas, Texas next week will be a good test for us. All right, and we'll end with Michael. Go ahead. Michael Massey, front stretch. Uh, so you got with these guys, Daniel, to eventually go cup racing again, get back to cup. But you took a step back this year, right? You don't you don't have those cup starts this year. Like how how are you guys able to get each other to buy into each other to you know take that step before you take the step step back before you take the step forward? Yeah, I mean I feel like it's like any good relationship or marriage or whatever you want to call it, right? You just got to communicate. Um, you, you try to show your cards, you know, right in front of the next person and, and try to just understand the goals and where everybody wants to get to and where the vision is and um, yeah, of course I want to be in cup races this year, but the task at hand was to spend as much time as possible in the Xfinity Series to try to give ourselves the best opportunity possible to win and uh, run for a championship. So, um, yeah, I mean, for me, sometimes taking a step back is actually taking a step forward, and, and I think this is no, no bigger testament of that. You just got to continue the process and have faith that will work out just how it's supposed to. And, and I'd like to hit on that. I think we learned as a group early on by, you know, letting A.J. run some cars. We've let other people run some cars. It wasn't – I don't think it was as good as we thought it would be. We didn't, you know, get into track time and all that because we could have run Daniel in a couple of races. Circle would have loved to have had him in, you know, a couple of races, but we seen that it wasn't, it didn't really elevate what we needed. Um, and we don't want to mess up the, the mojo or whatever he might have going at the time. So I, I think that was more of a call on our end, probably Matt's end more than, than, than mine. But um, I think that that wouldn't be a step back. I think it was like a controlled hey, let's go for this Xfinity deal instead of putting the efforts in cup right this second. Yeah, agreed. All right, well, congratulations to all three of you, you. Um, on this news. But we wish you the best of luck tonight and tomorrow. Thank you. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Thank cool. you, guys. Thank you. You'll have to see it to believe it. Whoever said that must have been talking about Talladega. It's a place where chaos mixes with speed. And a playoffs weekend becomes a lifetime of memories. It's a tradition like no other, at a track like no other. And after it's all over, you still won't believe it ever happened. NASCAR Playoffs Weekend at Talladega, September 30th through October 1st. Get your tickets now at talladegasuperspeedway.com. Started with our post-race press conference here. We are now joined by Corey Heim, winner of tonight's NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series race here at Bristol Motor Speedway. Corey also becomes the first driver to lock into the championship four. Corey, if you would just take us through your race and uh, what it means to know that you're going to be racing for a championship here in a few weeks. Yeah, just, uh, you can hear me, right? Through this. Yeah. All right, yeah. Um, yeah, great race for us. Um, you know, really didn't expect to have the speed that we did, but, um, you know, from struggling in practice, we um, weren't really as good as we have been in the past couple of weeks, um, but, you know, really kept our heads in the game and played the strategy right, made the right adjustments, and uh, track changed a lot more than I really anticipated, and I think that kind of caught a lot of other people off guard, but uh, luckily for us, it, uh, you know, went the right direction, and uh, just super thankful for uh, my truck on garage team and Toyota racing for all their efforts throughout the year and putting me in a great position um, and safe flight for all their dedication and, and hard work to um, sponsor us. So, um, you know, really just awesome day for us, uh, of course, locking us in. And um, I feel like we've, or I've personally given a couple races away um, in the past, you know, couple months. So um, I feel like, you know, this is 
kind of long overdue for us in the in the summer stretch here. So uh, just you know, super grateful to be here. All right, we're going to open up to questions now. If you have a question for Corey, please raise your hand. We'll get a wireless microphone to you. All right, with Davey. Davey Siegel with SiriusXM. How long were you setting up the move that you eventually made on Christian with, I think it was six or so to go? Yeah, I think my mindset for the last stage there, um, of course, we you know started second, had decent track position, and um, you know I, I kind of knew Christian was definitely the best truck, especially in the short runs. We never really um, you know got into a really big long run throughout the race, but, um, you know, with him kind of getting a two second, you know, 20 car length lead there for a while, I figured I'd kind of lay back and save as much tire and kind of keep some, you know, or keep some heat out of the tires, if you will, um, and see if he gets caught up in some lap traffic. And, um, you know, I, I knew we were going to catch a really big, pa big pack at some point. So uh, that definitely put me in position. The lap traffic's pretty brutal around this place just because there's really nowhere to go. The bottom's so dominant until the cup cars finally run on it and wear some of it off. So um, the truck race is always just right around the bottom, and, and lap traffic, as I mentioned, is, is pretty brutal. So um, I don't say I wouldn't say I was setting him up the whole race. I knew, you know, once he got caught up with the lap traffic, I knew I had a shot at him, and uh, all I had to do was – slip a tire and he did and that was the end of the story a lot of people given the format say that they just want to get to phoenix to just have a chance um going into the playoffs you were one of the favorites obviously now you're locked in how do you view your season now kind of as a whole obviously i know you want to finish it off but in terms of it being a success or not how do you scott and everybody view what you've done yeah, I mean, this this season has really, um, it's been great all the way through. I mean, we started off a little bit slow, um, trying to get our feet under us a little bit, but um, we've been just lights out consistent, you know, disregarding my, my gateway miss there. Um, we've been just lights out super consistent with points and um, really came from a long way back in the regular season standings to come back and win the regular season title. And um, I know the playoffs are going to be tough, especially since this last round is is pretty rough with Talladega being in the middle of it. So um, we really just kept our feet under us, kept the consistency going. I feel like we've been consistently probably the best truck as far as consistency goes. So, um, yeah, just hats off to those guys. Scott's just such a determined guy, and he's got so much experience in trucks. He's a championship crew chief. So um, I knew I had the, the people under me with a you know, Tricon and Toyota Racing and just had to go out and execute. All right, we'll go next to Zach Sterniola. Zach Sterniolo, NASCAR.com. Corey, congratulations on this. Um, Pocono was last lap, kind of, uh, I'm sure that one stung. To get one back late here tonight, um, and this one propels you to the championship four. How, how much sweeter does that make this moment where you're able to make that late move and, and, and capitalize? Yeah, I mean, you have no idea. I mean, the, the Pocono and last week at Kansas, I mean, those two were, were just heartbreakers for me um you know leading the majority of both of those races and you know personally giving them away in the last lap and then kansas was the last couple laps so um to come back and you know maybe we weren't the fastest truck today but to come back and kind of redeem myself from that if you will just to you know take one or steal one in the last couple laps just feels so sweet especially when it matters the most here at bristol um disregarding the championship race of course phoenix is of course the the end goal but um this is a huge race for uh, you know, the playoff picture and to come back and, you know, execute when it matters is, is super important for me and it, it means a lot. Do you have any additional questions for Corey? All right. You've got a hot mic now. Uh, Corey, I'm, man, I'm looking for a lot of great things out of Corey. He's, he is a hard-nosed racer and he races his plane. And he's going to be up in the top 10, top 5 every race. So, I look great things out of 
of course. Uh, and what about Junior back in the race and, and had to come out because his pants legs was on fire one side. Uh, you know, and that, that had to brought back bad memories of him and his dad racing the Corvette when it caught on fire. So, uh, hey, listen, been waiting to hear this. Uh, 23, 24 minutes, the car owner of uh, the winner of the Xfinity, against the Nile guy. And if you got to see any of the highlights or see the race itself, then uh, you jumped in the driver door and rode up the victory lane works up on top of elevated. It's pretty unique little place there. Right. We've now been joined by the owner of Junior Motorsports, Dale Earnhardt Jr., who also competed in tonight's race. And Dale, before we maybe get some comments from you about tonight's race, just give us a few thoughts on, on kind of what it means for the team for, for Justin to take home this win and have, um, you know, kind of this strong run right now as, as the playoffs really kick off for the Xfinity Series. Yeah, I'm real happy for Justin. It's, uh, winning at Bristol is such an amazing uh, accomplishment for any driver. This kind of ranks right up there with Darlington in terms of a driver's racetrack. You've got to be tough and move around and defend and be on the offense and got to be head on a swivel out there and all the good drivers seem to do well and, and figure this place out. It's not a place where you kind of get any flukes, but um, so I'm, I'm proud for him, proud for Brant. Rick's worked hard to help us get this program going, and he's uh, he's more than just a, a, a partner. Uh, a lot of times it feels like Rick's part of the ownership of the seven car, and so uh, to see his whole group up there happy and at a place like Bristol that, where it means so much is a great thing to see. And right as the uh, checkered flag flew tonight, you guys did announce that Justin will return to JRM next year with Brant, so that relationship will continue. Um, We'll now go to questions for Dale. If you have one, please raise your hand. We'll work to get a mic to you. We'll start with Davey. Davey Siegel with SiriusXM to your left, Dale. Uh, was the ride up to Victory Lane your idea, Justin's idea? Where did that start? That's old school, man. He, uh, I saw his, uh, I was like, I'm gonna ride up this ramp. I almost, you know, if I ain't driving up my own car, I'm gonna ride up the ramp in my, uh, in my, in the car that I own if I wasn't gonna win the race. Um, I remember in the late 70s and early 80s, they would, you know, the crew would climb on the car and ride to Victory Lane. Of course, I think the last team to do it was Kurt Busch and his group. Um, I think they all got fined about a thousand a, dry, uh, a person for whoever was on that thing. But NASCAR don't really approve of it. It's very dangerous for the entire crew to get on a car. But boy, it's cool to see. I remember pictures and and a bunch of books from the from the old days about that. But uh, everybody's just so happy, you know. Everybody that's had so much effort and work on the car, riding on the car after the race to the to the victory lane is symbolic for some reason for me. But um, I was just so disappointed that we didn't get to finish where we wanted to, and I, I, but at the same time, happy about our car winning, and I just uh, thought that I couldn't wait to see Justin, couldn't wait to, you know, tell him how proud and happy I was, and uh, Rick always pops in the windows, and, and Rick Hendrick does from time to time, so uh, I maybe was following his lead there a little bit, but it's pretty cool. Um, I, I've... Uh, I enjoy being an owner in the series. It's a great series to be be an owner in. So, uh, during the race on the radio, you you actually were kind of surprised how well you guys are running and that you're actually leading. 
going yeah. into the race, I mean, what were realistic expectations for you? I'm pretty low-key on my expectations, especially, I mean, I haven't raced here in six or seven years and haven't raced a bush car here and I don't know how long or an Xfinity car here in quite a while. So, man, I mean, 20 minutes of practice, just a handful of laps, and then go out there and qualify first car out. Uh, I was way behind and didn't really know what what I was doing or what I needed to be doing and all the sim work in the world won't prepare you for what you're going to face when you pull out on the racetrack here. The guys that race every week are seasoned, ready, mentally understanding what's happening, what the car's capable of doing. They're much better prepared. I just felt so far behind. So I think my expectations were really low. I thought, you know, looking at my record over the last seven or eight year races that I've ran, I'm kind of like a fifth to fifth to 12th place guy. So I was thinking that would be good to keep that going. Um, I also think that I was the oldest driver in the field, maybe the only in his 40s. And so I was that wasn't making me feel more confident. But, uh, man, I, you know, you you get out there and in the race, every, you know, so I'm not a hot lapper. When the car's hooked up and you can mat it and go, I'm not your man. I'm not going get to a, get a – I'm not a pole winner. I'm not going to run the best lap in practice. But when the race starts and everything slows down and the pace drops, I can do I can do uh, what needs to be done and put the car and the tires where they need to be to find grip. And it was pretty much straightforward where you needed the left front tire to be. And I just kept doing that all night long and being real patient on entry. I'll tell a quick story real, real quick that helped me a lot. My dad never really told me anything about driving race cars ever. We never had conversations about how to drive a track what I should do in this situation, we never did. And um, for whatever reason, we was here one year, and I think it was my first cup season, and I was slow, struggling, in over my head. <clears throat> he got on the, t- the top of the trailer with a helmet or with a radio and was like, I'm going to tell you where to lift. And he told me to lift, and it, I was sitting at the flag stand, and I was like, damn, that sound, that's no, no way I want to lift here. I can drive the car another three or four car lengths to the corner. And he said, now, and when the car dropped off in the corner and landed, he said, I want you to get on the gas here. And I said, damn, okay, now I know why you want me to lift so early. Uh, so that's the way I drive this track. I'm out of gas really early, and I'm back in the throttle. When the car is is sort of landing in the about the 30% mark of the corner, I'm back in the gas probably 20% really, really early and just wrapping the bottom, sitting there about 30% throttle for about the majority of the corner. And, on an old tire, man, I mean, and they put the grip down there and paint the line and all that. I mean, it all adds up, makes it work really good. Every time I've tried to charge a corner here, I think about my dad's uh, lesson and think he's probably pretty pissed off at me for charging the corner here and I should be lifting earlier and driving it like he thinks. But that was the only driving lesson he ever gave me. <clears throat> all right, Bob. I'm Bob Hockris, Fox Sports. Um, You've had bad experience with fire, so I'm curious, like, was there extra panic or anything? <laughs> yeah. And when you, when. So it started smoking, and I thought, well, I started smelling something first, and I thought, man, maybe that's the car in front of me. Hopefully it's the car in front of me. And then I started seeing a lot of smoke around the dash and above the dash. And um, I thought we just had some rubber buildup on the pipes. I was telling the team about it so maybe they could see through the wheels that they might see a fire in there, and that would keep us pretty calm that would just have we did you know that would go out or whatever right and uh and then it was getting a little little worse the smoke was getting worse and i had them boys racing for the lead right in front of me and i looked down at the leg brace and it was on fire 
and I felt it sting in my leg. And so um, I thought, well, I can't keep going. So I, 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 if I'd have kept going, I think it'd have burnt me um, really bad. I don't know if it'd have went out, but I wasn't wanting to take that risk. And normally, and I think, um, you know, any driver that's what, you know, all y'all probably seen, anytime you slow down, your car's got any kind of fire and you slow down, the fire gets bigger. And so that's that was on my mind. I was I was going down, I was going down pit road with the wind that down, and I was looking over at the pit stalls to see which crew was paying attention. That was where I was going to stop. And uh, when I pulled up to, the, I think it was the Gibbs guys. I was like waving at them, and they figured, they figured it out and uh, helped me out and get get me out of there. Because I was thinking when I stopped, it was going to get bigger. I didn't know what was on fire and why in the hell would there be a fire at the leg brace. I felt I thought the transmission was going to explode because I could feel the tunnel getting hot, but it was literally on fire inside the car. We had a, we had a positive wire short above, up in the top of the dash, and the, the the casing on the wire melted down onto the leg brace and caught the foam in the leg brace, and the and the and the the, the cloth cover of the leg brace caught the whole leg brace on fire, and so it burnt the leg off my uniform, and I was uh, it was like another lap and it I was probably going to get blistered up no, no, burns on your leg. no burns on my leg just barely escaped but I was disappointed to have to get out we was going to run fourth or better all right Zach go ahead Zach Sterniolo NASCAR.com Dale um, you, you said it right there you were probably going to run fourth or better um, and you said earlier that the expectation or hope was that you'd stay within that fifth to twelfth range and outperforming that how how much did that mean to you I mean you led 47 laps tonight um, just being that competitive when you do this as rarely as you do how much does, does that mean to you despite the, the finish tonight yeah I guess I mean if you aim low you'll never be disappointed so I um, I don't set high expectations uh, especially at this point in my life but except for you know certain things um but when it comes to racing i try not to really get too competitive because when i really when i get competitive i get miserable even when i'm running well and um these races for me are about just coming back and smelling the smells and hearing the sounds and um getting reminded what's going on inside the car and what a driver thinks about i feel like that the further i get removed from my driving career the harder it is to be a broadcaster and an analyst and so running these races is all about learning and relearning really and re, re reminding yourself of what a driver thinks and goes through at certain situations and and just so you're so that stuff's fresh on your mind and um you know obviously uh having the girls here and Isla and them Isla's got you know kind of old enough to understand what's going on and that daddy races I don't know if that really is going to matter down the road to her but um you know I, I we we really I ran way better than I thought we would um, I had a blast. I'm a lot more confident, I guess, going to Homestead on how we might do. Last time I ran there in 2020, we we run second a lot um, throughout the day. But uh, so that, that I'm hoping that goes just as well. But I don't really. I've come here and got my butt kicked the last couple times, for real. Uh, Martinsville was real not great. We ended up 11th, and I think we run Richmond and run 15th all day, hard as we could go. So I was thinking maybe I was just getting too old for it, but this series is tough. It's just really competitive, most competitive it's ever been this year, you know. Um, there's at least four or five more competitive cars than we've ever had. So, um, But I was happy with the car. We did a lot of preparation. Um, um, 
hosts of ours helped a lot as far as getting that fifth car, you know, some race laps and getting those guys sort of ready to go to the racetrack. They came really confident and under, thinking that they knew what they needed to do for the car. So I was put in a really good position um, to be, you know, to, the car was good enough to kind of carry me through qualifying and everything. And then in the race, I got caught up myself. All right, Dustin. Dustin Long, NBC Sports. Um, how nervous are you before these events, and, and how do you decide? I know you talked about the broadcasting aspect, but is there a point where, because you don't want to, I don't want to say embarrass yourself, but you, you don't want to perform like you expect, so... How much longer can you go in that sense? Well? I don't know, man. I mean, I think Kelly told me that next year is my last year. So um, I think, yeah, I don't know. She just said, I figured, we were sitting there talking, and she said, I figure you'll run these two and then one next year, and that's it. I was like, all right. So, um, you know, I don't know. Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, I like it. I like it. And I'll t uh, to answer your first question, man, I ain't never been as nervous as I was today. I've raced my whole career, locked into every race I've ever went to, and I've never really had to deal with or, or, or sweat it out or worry about, you know, something happening and missing the show. And that's not fun, and it's the worst It's the worst feeling ever. And we got here, and we've been here all morning sitting around in a truck, and uh, I'm like, damn, I want to practice. I want to be out there running some laps and figuring this thing out. I need some laps. This 20 minutes ain't going to be enough. So sitting there just gut-wrenching and worried about making a mistake. And I did not feel like I, I got enough laps in practice to understand nothing. I felt like everything was way ahead of me and I was way behind on my on what I was seeing and processing mentally. Um, but that was the way it was when I came here when I was a full-timer. I mean, this place just takes time to get up to speed. Your brain ain't, ain't processing everything that's coming at it visually, but it eventually slows down. Um, but so I was, as, I, I feel like I was probably as nervous as I've ever been, probably more nervous than my very first qualifying attempt at Charlotte as a rookie. Um, I mean, I'm thinking back and there's nothing more gut wrenching than ha wondering if you might go home missing a race, right? I ain't never failed to qualify for a race and being presented with that reality was frightening. Um, but so once I ran the lap, the 91, all that melted away. I was no longer nervous about the race. I watched this race that they ran here last year three times this week. And I'm like, man, it's got a rhythm to it. And it does, you know, we ran green flag the whole first stage. Just don't get worked up. Don't overdo it. There's not going to be a ton of wrecking and crashing. They guys just get in a rhythm and they run hard and they run long. And I, I thought if I could just find a place to race, I would be able to run this whole thing with no problems and run all the laps and get a top 15 finish. And that's what I expected. <clears throat> but, I mean, you're, I'll run as long as I can. I like running one here and one there. But, I mean, certainly not till I'm 60 years old, but I think I am still feel young. I, I overachieved tonight in my eyes in terms of, you know, how I ran. So I guess I'll, I guess that gave me some confidence to, to try to, do one here and one there for a couple more years. How does the how does the driver 
how do you how do you be the driver and the owner tonight and see the one, eight, and nine get wrecked? And what's I didn't know what happened to anybody all night. We came around the three and four, and I saw the one, the nine car with the quarter panel knocked off of it, and I was like, how in the hell does that? You know, I don't know what's going on. Them guys, my my guys that are talking to me, they're telling me the very bare minimum information that I need. So, like, uh, it's usually with TJ on the box, he's giving me a play by play of everything, right? Uh, he loves to talk, but. Um, tonight it was bare minimum. I didn't know what was going on with anyone else's race. I didn't know how many cars were on the lead lap. I didn't know. I just knew who I was racing by looking out, looking over the over the hood and in the mirror. Otherwise, I didn't know much about what else was happening to anybody else. So I know the seven one uh, Hemrick's here, so he must have ran good. I had a blast, buddy. I had a good time racing you. Um, and. So other than that, I ain't got a clue where anyone ran or finished and how everything is for the championship going forward. I just know one thing. I didn't cause any problems tonight for nobody. <laughs> I was a big deal for me. I didn't want to come in here and screw up somebody's championship. Everybody be like, that damn junior don't need to be out there. But uh, so I got, I mean, I shouldn't be racing in the playoffs. That's a dumb idea. But anyways, I got, I, Homestead, there's a lot of room. I'll stay away from you guys. Thank you. Yep, thank you. All right, we're going to have to take a couple more questions and then wrap up for time. Um, we'll go Jeff, Jordan, and in with Matt Weaver. Go ahead, Jeff. Kind of along the lines of Dustin's first question. I mean, for years you've kind of wondered aloud about what makes a driver retire, yeah. what want to give it up. But, like, I feel like there's less clarity after seeing you do something like this. I know like it. You're almost 49. But, like, now what do you make of it? Because, like, we I don't highly have any answers. Yeah, Bobby ran until Bobby and Harry Gant and them guys, they were good in their 50s, you know. Um, but it's like, a, I mean, it's it's the car. Like, I'm driving a great race car. That's going to help me a lot, look really good. But it's the, it's like that. I'm a really bad golfer. But if I go out there, I'll bet you the first nine I'm ready to quit, never play again, and then I'll hit the pin on my second shot on a par four, and that's all it takes to keep you coming back is that one good drive or that one nice shot. And so <clears throat> the last couple of races had me really wondering, damn, do I need to not do this anymore? I'm really not getting nothing out of it running 15th and struggling and being frustrated. Then you go run good, and you're like, well, okay. Uh, maybe <laughs> maybe it's where I'm racing. Maybe I just need to run at certain tracks that I love and really enjoy, or I don't know. You know where the, I w certainly do look where in junior motorsports is quick. But, man, it's hard to turn down Homestead. It's so fun running the wall there. I'd run the wall in 15th and have a blast, you know, 20th. I, it's a fun racetrack and <clears throat> a lot of off-throttle. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I don't know. I mean, when our, if our cars were struggling, man, if we were struggling to run 7th at, at our best, I don't know if I'd be that enter, you know, entertained to run it. But we got a good team, good group. So while it, you know, while it makes sense, we'll just see what's going on, see who wants to do it. Jordan Bianchi, the Athletic, two quick questions. Will Bristol be on the schedule next year for you? Man, I don't know. I think it was fun. Funner, it was, yeah, I don't know. What's it like being the old guy in the field? I know, it's weird. I didn't know that. So tell me, is it true There, I was the only 40-year-old out there? Because, so I'm 49 in October. I think I'm the oldest for sure. And I text the booth, uh, Burton and them, and they're like, yeah, you're the only, our stat guys are telling us you're the only one in his 40s. I don't know if that's exactly true, but um, how old's B.J. McLeod? He was out there. Damn. So uh, I'm the oldest and the only. I'm like the oldest by decades. What is that? What is that? I don't. I don't. 
I don't feel that old. I don't, but, you know, I don't. I think I'm fresh as ever. Um, but I, uh, that was a surprising to learn that. But, uh, you know, I don't know. <clears throat> I guess, yeah. I mean, like I say, some of them guys ran long and were decent. All right, we'll take our final question for Matt. Go ahead, Matt. Matt Weaver, sportsnot.com. Um, you, you addressed most what I wanted to answer with, um, with Dustin's question, but I want to frame it this way. You've run so much late model stuff the last two years, and it's been such a challenge to get reacclimated to those cars. Was there a part of you going back to this Xfinity start tonight where it's like, man, I've gotten my butt kicked so many times doing the late model stuff. Is it me or is it the car? Right. And is there some validation in coming here and saying, okay, it's not me. I can still do this. I just need to learn the late models. Yes, all that. Um, it, it, the, for some reason, man, the late model stock car takes a style of input and the the way you drive the car is just so unique. And I still don't know exactly what that is. Every once in a while, I'll run a lap and be like, I don't know how I did that. But, like, we qualified really good at Florence the other week, and I don't know where that came from because I've never qualified inside the top 20 there in the two, other two runs I made. <clears throat> what would maybe make me not run as much Xfinity races is certainly running more late model stock races in the Cars Tour, especially on the front half of the year when I'm not working with NBC. <clears throat> I wanna, I'd love to run my late model car more, but that means getting my butt kicked more. Um and I think, honestly, I really feel better in the Xfinity car. I feel like I know what I'm doing, what the car, I know what to expect out of the tire of the car, the sidewall, the tire, all of the things make more sense to me when I go out on the track and steer the car through the corner in the lay model stock car. I'm still not 100% sure what I need to feel, what I should be feeling, what I don't want to feel, what I need to fix. And um, I'll have to run that car a lot more to get better at it. But, I mean, I, I think I could run that car for, a long time right into my late 50s if i wanted to and not not care about how competitive i was whereas we this is the second top this is the tops uh two series in this in the in the country in stock car racing you know you can't you only want to come race here if you can think you can do it do it and do it well and i certainly won't won't do it if i don't feel like i am good enough to be out there so um, it won't make any sense to be out there if I'm not hitting on all cylinders mentally and things aren't making sense. You know, that's when it definitely needs to need to stop doing it. But right, so far, clicked along tonight. So I think Homestead, I, I was always great uh, as far as adapting to Homestead and understanding what I thought I needed to do. And so it's definitely intentional where I race. <clears throat> Some of these tracks I, I probably wouldn't want to race at and wouldn't feel comfortable or think I could be that competitive, but Homestead's one of the tracks I really enjoy. Dale, before we let you go, I know tonight a lot of the drivers had um, your school driving gloves oh, yeah. for raising right. money for your foundation. Yeah. I think there's maybe 60 gloves between yeah. tonight and tomorrow night. Um, if you don't mind, just to give us uh, kind of you. your thoughts on kind of the industry, you know, getting behind Thanks that. Thanks for giving me a chance to speak about that. Um, so we have 60-plus drivers wearing the gloves this weekend. It is a lot of work to get 60 pairs of gloves to drivers, and drivers do not always love brand new gloves, and they got to fit a certain way. And some gloves are, you know, you'll, I'll get a, I, my pair was tight tonight, didn't like it, but um, so I appreciate the drivers sort of managing that um, lack of comfort if if that's what's going on with some of them. But I know we're all particular about our our stuff, <clears throat> but. uh 
Pristine Auctions is managing all the auctions for those gloves. I'll sign them. The drivers will sign them. We'll get them back, you know, back home after the race, and uh, they're all race used, race worn from tonight and tomorrow night. And um, it's fun to do. The skull gloves are fun. Uh, I think people think they're fun. Um, they're goofy looking, uh, and uh, I, th- I hope the drivers enjoy running them for a weekend. Uh, it's, we raise a, a bunch of money for the foundation, uh, <clears throat> so that's just a. It's really a lot of fun to do something like this, and all the other drivers want to be a part of it. And that happens across the board with everybody's foundation and everybody's initiatives. All the drivers, we you know, whether you know, no matter who it is, we're at their events. Everybody goes and 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 supports. We might get in arguments or dislike how we get raced on the racetrack sometimes by each other, but when it comes down to the charitable initiatives and the missions that a lot of our drivers have, uh, you'll see all the drivers want to jump on board and support, and I think that's fantastic, and this is a great example of that. All right. Man, I tell you, Dale Jr. is better off in the booth than he is behind the wheel, and then when he gets behind the wheel, that that was one great interview uh, right there. So uh, <laughs> he got to ride up on the car. Justin Algar, not the first win this year. Yeah. All right. We now have been joined by our race winner, Justin Algar, driver of the number seven Brant Chevrolet. The boss man just left the desk, um, had a lot of great things to say about you, your team, and obviously this run for the championship um, got off to a great start tonight. So, Justin, talk a little bit about tonight winning at Bristol. But Bristol is a place you've had a win at before, but I believe this is your first night race win. It is the first night race win. It's also like 4,000 laps let it go, too. Um, I had a lot less gray hair. Honestly, this has been the place that uh, for me has been – I love coming here. It's my favorite racetrack. I tell everybody that all the time. We've led so many laps. I don't know the stat exactly, but it's like an average of 135 laps led here. And I think we've led 44% of the laps in the last six races. I mean, those are crazy stats to not win. And um, Jim Pullman and I had a long conversation in this offseason. And we looked at the schedule, and we circled Bristol. And we said, whatever we win before Bristol – we got to go do it, but Bristol's the one. Um, we've run way too well here. We have led so many laps here, and it's the start of the playoffs. And um, to get to get you know Brent Fresh and I, Colton Victory Lane, Rick and Sierra and Christy, they're all here this weekend. I've won in every car we've run except for theirs this year. It seems like um, just this racetrack and to win here at Bristol. I mean, there's just nothing like it. So great race today. Um, you know, Jim Pullman did a fantastic job with the with the race strategy. I got to race the boss man, which was so cool. I mean, you know, we had all five of our junior motorsports Camaros were really fast. Obviously, not the end of, uh, result for for the other four that we wanted, but um, to see the speed that we had and to be able to race with the boss, see the fans. I mean, they were going crazy under green when Dale was leading. I mean, I don't think there was a lap that Dale led; they didn't stand up, and he led for a while. So it was pretty pretty incredible to um, to race it at, at a venue like we had tonight, and you know, it was it was really special. All right, we're now going to go to questions for Justin. If you have one, raise your hand. We'll get a mic to you. We'll start with go ahead. Stephen Toronto, CBS Sports. Justin, uh, I remember your first career win here at Bristol uh, back in 2010. 
you were on the defensive in that race. You had to drive your guts out to hold off Brad Keselowski in the final laps. This time around, second win at Bristol, you were the aggressor. You were on offense. You outpitched Daniel Hemrick, and you took it. Uh, at what point at your career, in your career at this level, did you develop that skill to be able to, you know, take a race like that and take it in the final laps? Well, first of all, Daniel did an amazing job tonight racing with me because he raced me hard, but he raced me ultra clean. And, you know, with Bristol the way that it is and the lanes that we're running, you know, I was pumped that it, it widened out. I mean, we ran the bottom, obviously, but a lot of those guys were running the top and you were you're constantly splitting back and forth and going through lap traffic. I think I've learned all the ways to not win one here. Uh, I think that's how I did tonight, going up, going back from all those races that we weren't able to win and, and just, you know, methodically thinking about what it was going to take. But but honestly, you know, Jim Pullman put me on the offensive because we came down with 50 to go, you know, a 20-lap deficit for some of the other guys on tires. We already knew that our car was fast, um, but you don't really know how far through the field you're going to be able to go. We started clicking them off. When I got to sixth, um, I think I was behind uh, Ryan C. We got to sixth, and that was the point where I'm like, all right, I can do this. I, I know we like I know we've got the speed. We can go up there and we can catch these guys. And uh, I got to Daniel, and I was running the bottom really hard. He was running the top really hard, and I just got the tires really hot. And, and I was stuck behind him, and I couldn't get clear of him. And I'm like, man. I don't know what I need to do. So I went to the top and kind of cooled the tires back down, and, and that was the difference maker. Cooling the tires back down, being able to make that late race charge. You know, once we got clear, I think um, I think the tires, the deficit on tires for those guys really showed through. But, man, it was uh, – when he, when Eddie DeHaunt said clear, it was like this weight lifted off my shoulders because I knew I knew once I cleared him, he wasn't going to pass me back. And that was, that was a really cool moment. Um, I think that was 18 to go or something. And uh, – I knew it was over at that point. I, then the only thing, you, with 10 to go, I heard every uh, sound. I had every thought that there was going to be a caution. I'm waiting for the caution to happen. Guys were getting into each other and sliding around. I'm like, oh, man, when we hit the white flag, it was like, all right, the pressure's off. We got this, and um, it was really cool. This win moves you on to the round of eight in the playoffs. Uh, list them out. Vegas, Homestead, Martinsville. Which, which of those three racetracks do you feel the most confident in that you can – do all this again and all of them um i look at the speed that we've had at those three racetracks i mean vegas this, this spring this year i think we had a really fast race car and we spent on pit road maybe and came back to finish second um homestead jrm obviously has been ultra ultra successful there and we've had really fast race cars uh, martinsville we've had you know a lot of success there it's another short track like here at bristol obviously a lot different than bristol but you know but the biggest thing that I think we have is we have momentum on our side, right? We, we're able to go into the next two, and, yeah, we're going to focus on those races, you know, get more bonus points, do what we can do. But that allows us to kind of open up our game plan and look at those three races where these other teams are going to have to really focus on the next two. Um, you know, tonight uh, tonight went our way, but tomorrow night or, you know, next next Saturday may not or the Saturday after that may not. So, you know, we, we need to make sure that we're doing all the right things. And, and if we can't win, we need to we need to have a good solid night and put ourselves in position to win. And, and I think um, regardless of tonight, we did that all night. We executed well. We, great, we, we, we did the strategy right. And if we didn't win, honestly, I was going to be okay with, with the way that we called the race because I thought it was the right way to do it. Thanks, Justin. Thank you. All right. We'll come up front to Bob. Bob Parker's Fox Sports. So what did you do tonight that you haven't done the last, like, 23 or four races here? 
Uh, I won. That's what I did. Uh, no, honestly, the biggest thing for me was I think in the races past, you know, we've led so many laps. And inside of that 50 to 75 to go is where it kind of all went. <laughs> and tonight we talked about it before the race and we're like, listen, this thing ain't over till the checkered flag falls. And anything can and will happen. And we got to make sure that we don't – we can't beat ourselves tonight. And Jim Pullman was tantamount on making sure that we did not make mistakes. And, um, man, it was it was good. It was really good. And the strategy, I mean, with tires, I mean, that was that was incredible. I mean, that was that was the right call. We were the only ones to come down pit road. And uh, it was cool. I think the the part for me tonight that was different, I'm watching how many cars were lapping on each one of these green flag runs. Obviously, long green flag runs. I'm watching the cars that were lapping, and I'm going, man, there's not going to be many left on the lead lap. And, you know, ultimately, I think there was 14 or 15, whatever it was, whenever we got the – whenever we came out of the pits. But, you know, that's that's – doable. If there was 30 or 35 on the lead lap, we were probably in trouble. But with 15 on the lead lap, we were able to drive through some of them and obviously uh, get the result. All right. Zach. Zach Sterney, NASCAR.com. Justin, congrats on the win. Thank you. Um, I, I know when you came in here, we talked about um, accidentally dooring Brandon Jones. Unfortunately, it was contact between uh, Josh and Sam that um, ended up taking them out as well as Brandon, um, kind of in that one crash. When you guys have uh, just an incident, a racing incident between teammates at JRM, how do you guys resolve that um, and, and what conversations are had midweek just to put that in the past? Well, I mean, it's tough, right? I mean, when you have – I mean, tonight we had five, but when you have four uh, junior motorsports Camaros that are battling for wins every week, you know, you're battling teammates, and that is a hard, hard uh, – you know, Bill, to, to kind of make sure that we do the right things, right? We all want to win. We're all out there. And, and Dale and Kelly and LW, you know, there, there are no orders at our shop, right? We want success for the whole building. Um, but you also have to, you know, in some ways assert yourself into trying to make sure that that works. Um, tonight, you know, I think it was just circumstances, right? I, I think the eight ended up with a flat right front before they turned into one, and then that was ultimately what resulted in the big crash. Um but it just as easily could have happened right before that. I, I mean, uh, not many laps before that. You know, we had a restart. I drove down into three, uh, got on the splitter, and, and drove right up into the side of Brandon. Like, as a driver, for me, and now maybe not everybody feels this way, but for me, that's like the worst feeling in the world. Right? Like, I'm immediately, I'm keying the mic. Like, I'm so sorry I got on the splitter. I drove up into him. I didn't mean to, you know. And and if it wrecks him in that moment, that doesn't that doesn't fix his day, right? Well, obviously, it's an accident, but, but you know, things happen. Um, you know, when we get together on Monday, there's going to be some hard feelings, right? I mean, it, no question. Um, but what I love about our shop and about our race team is the the cohesiveness that we have. I mean, between crew chiefs and between drivers, just the effort that we have put into you know be a tighter knit group this year. We're actively helping each other try to try to win races and be faster and you know understand what we need to do. And and you know, like I said. It'll be rough on Monday, but I can promise you by the time we get to the next race, um, it'll be a done and over with, and we'll go out there and we'll battle it out just, just the same as we did tonight before before the disaster happened. So, um, you know, it was cool having Dale Jr. in the race tonight, but that obviously steps up. It, it ramps up the pressure, right? And I think that that's where uh, when Dale was out front, man, it was hard. I'm like, I don't want Dale to win. Uh, I, I want to beat him, right? But um, when I got beside him and we were racing – on that same side, you're like, okay, I'm, you know, I can't, 
can't run into him, right? I want to make sure I, if I pass him, I got to pass him clean. And and honestly, if he had won the race, I'd have been ultra proud of him. I told him that tonight. And I'm like, man, I'm so bummed that I don't even know what happened to his car, but um, so bummed because it was it was really a lot of fun to be able to race with Dale and 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 all of my teammates really um, to to battle it out for a win. All right, we're going to take our next question from Dustin. Yep, and then Matt. Dustin Lovino, JC. Congrats on the win, Justin. Thank um, you. As far as you've mentioned Jim a couple of times, um, and obviously you made the crew chief change over the off season from Jason, who had a lot of success with to Jim. And you know, you listen to the radio tonight. He's, Jim's being a big cheerleader on, on the radio, telling you you can go and march through the field. How, how important has, is that chemistry? You know away from the track with him as a friend and then also you know, him leading the way for you? Well, let me start by saying this. I said it on TV earlier, but tonight doesn't happen without Jason Burdett, right? Um, Jason and I have had an incredible relationship, and he has been so uh, important to our program and making sure that we have fast race cars here at, at, at Bristol Motor Speedway. They showed that with an iron. I mean, they had a lot of speed tonight. Um, but but all five cars are based on setups that were derived from our seven team over the last number of years. It was impressive what he had been able to accomplish for us to not win a race. He did tell me this week that if if I won, he wasn't talking to me ever again. So I got I got to figure out how to mend that fence a little bit. Um, <laughs> um, but but honestly, if 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 Jason Burdett is not my crew chief, I don't think tonight happens. Now, you know, adding Jim to our team at Junior Motorsports has also been incredible. You know, he is somebody that I look up to a lot as, as a crew chief. And, you know, when I found out that, that Jason was not going to be my crew chief, you obviously have to go to work and figure out, okay, well, what's next? Um, Jason and Jim have worked tirelessly together to make sure that our cars are, are you know, where they need to be at and, and help each other. And, and Jim's come in, and, and Jim is um, Jim has pushed me in ways this year that I, I probably have never been pushed. He's been on me, but he's also, like you said, he's been a cheerleader. I mean, tonight when we got behind, he's like, I'm, don't give up. We're going to do this. You got this. And um, sometimes it's nice to hear that, right? And, you know, ultimately, I, I'm going to tell you, when, when he told me to stay out with 80 to go, I'm driving around under caution going, man – I don't know what we're doing, but holy cow, we might have just given this one away. I told him that at the race. I'm like, man, you had me nervous. I, I was pretty sure we just gave that one away. And when when we came with tires and put tires on with 50 to go, I'm like, oh, no, we did the right thing. So um, Jim Pullman's been a, a great friend, somebody that I've, I've looked up to a lot and, and obviously glad to have him in Junior Sports and really, really glad to have him on the box for the 17. All right. Go ahead, Matt. Matt Weaver, Sports Not. You actually addressed a lot of the things I was going to ask, but I want to take it a little further back. So I think – a lot of those kind of strategic deviations started at like lap 150 because a bunch yeah. of guys came in and you're kind of in that unenviable position where you're leading and you see a bunch of guys behind you pit and you start to go, hey, should we have done that? But then you mentioned it allowed you to be able to save that set and be on the attack earlier. How much right. are you thinking kind of reverse engineering that race even on lap 150? Well, we we had talked about the strategy a lot before we came in tonight, right? So I kind of knew the numbers. I knew – I knew where his mindset was at on a lot of things. Obviously, the, the last call to stay out, that, that didn't follow the guidelines of what we had talked about. But, but you know, when, when that happened, he said, look, you know, there's going to be guys that are going to try and flip the stage. We know that. It's okay. Um, we need to determine at that point, do we, need the, do we need the stage points or do we need track position? And at that moment, he said, all right, stay out. We're going to get the points, right? Well, then, you know, as a driver, you're in this, you're in this um, 
you're in this role of now you have to hold these guys off. And we're rolling around in a caution, and I look up, and Dale's like fifth on tires. And I'm like, holy cow, we didn't get the buffer that I thought we were going to get, right? Um, but, you know, being able to fire off right there, obviously saving the set, being able to fire off, still get the stage win, that was huge, right? It, it allowed us to do what we did. Now, that being said, we could have come when they came and just put apples to apples, um, you know, but Jim had a, I had a plan, and, and we, we, we didn't pit when they did. Now, that's, a, that's an eerie feeling. When you roll, excuse me. When you roll on a racetrack and everybody behind you comes, right? But we saw last year with with Noah, he was able to fire off. We kind of knew, you know, how many laps we had before the tires were going to start falling off, and we knew that, uh, you know, we wanted fresh tires at the end if we could get it. So, obviously, ultimately the right call, but uh, a little nerve wracking there in the middle. All right, Justin. Thank you so much for your the time you spent with us tonight. Congratulations on that win. To believe it. Whoever said that must have been talking about Talladega. It's a place where chaos mixes with speed. And a playoffs weekend becomes a lifetime of memories. It's a tradition like no other. At a track like no other. And after it's all over, you still won't believe it ever happened. NASCAR Playoffs Weekend at Talladega, September 30th through October 1st. Get your tickets now at talladegasuperspeedway.com. And we'll be in Big Bill's Garage. Stop by and holler at us for a pre-race show and uh, probably a post-race show also. Uh, we, I, I know we're going to do a pre-race show kind of early, so uh, stay tuned to that. Denny Hamlin finally gets it done again at Bristol. So we got the crew chief and uh, Denny coming up. I'll start our post-race press conference uh, with our winning crew chief, crew chief of the number 11, Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota, and that's Chris Gabehart. Um, Chris, maybe just give us an opening uh, statement about uh, your view atop the box and uh, winning one of uh, one of NASCAR's crown jewel Bristol Light races. You just mentioned that. Yeah, no secret. My favorite race. I'll go ahead and say it. Uh, what a fantastic atmosphere. Just, just electric. Uh, represents everything that is quintessential stock car racing. Uh, short, short track, high bank action everywhere. Uh, I say it all the time. The reason I love this track so much is it shows you just how hard it is to drive these race cars. There is, uh, there's just, it's amazing to watch these guys do what they do. My favorite track, um, won our second Bristol night race, uh, super pumped and really proud of this team. No doubt. Thank you, Chris. If you have a question. Lee Spencer, catch friends. Despite as good as your car was, with Larson's in the rearview mirror, you, you have to be a little bit concerned. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I've I've told all of you how I feel about Larson and his talent, and if he has a sniff of it at any point, you saw it fairly late in the race, right? We got uh, we had such a lead that we kind of got a little conservative behind the, the eight and uh, some other car there, and just kind of know where to go for a little bit and. Here comes Larson like a prize fighter off the mat. I mean, he's right back on our bumper, uh, giving us all we want one more time. And uh, him, that team, that whole group, uh, what a what a class act. Um, we've had our run-ins lately, but you know, when you 
your two teams that consistently find yourself up front and you race with a lot of passion and to win like like that group does you're going to have that and um that's why we all show up to watch these races right so i think the world of kyle larson and his team and i'm just glad we were able to beat them today but about bob parker's fox sports I know there's several others, but it seems like both you and Larson are the kind of teams week in and week out. So what what will you have to do to beat them for the championship? Uh, just keep doing what we've been doing. I mean, you know, obviously the first round is, is full of really good tracks for, for Denny and this team, but um, clearly we were capable of winning all three races and just had situations keep us to only winning one. Um you know, Texas, we tested there, uh, should have a great race, but you just got to keep executing. Um, that's all you can do is move on to the next race. Uh, tonight, we're going to enjoy this one. It's a big one. Um, you know, we've had a, a, a tough couple of weeks mentally with the team to perform at such a high level and not get the wins. Um, but I told them in our meeting today, um, and, and nights like tonight, it's so easy to do, but you just got to keep competing at a high level for the love of the game. It can't be it can't be about results to to put in the passion that it takes to perform at this high level you have to do it for the love of the game and uh, the team that I'm with I'm just so thankful to stand on their shoulders because they are giants Denny included and uh, we just got to keep executing at that level and we'll find ourselves in Phoenix with a shot to get it done obviously we're now joined also by coach Joe Gibbs the owner of Joe Gibbs Cole Cusimano with the Arizona Republic. I've got one for each of you guys. Uh, first, for Chris, congratulations. You mentioned how challenging this track is for the drivers, but I'm curious how challenging is it for you as a crew chief, and what are some obstacles that you have to go through to uh, overcome and win this race? Yeah, I, great question. Uh, again, quintessential stock car racing. This place is, there's no loads higher than here. So when you talk engineering and the stress and the strain that it puts on the tires, um, you know, uh, the steering components, you know, we were here last year, we had tire failures and steering component failures. I don't think there was a single one in the field this year. So some of the very brightest minds in the sport, uh, like, like Goodyear and, and NASCAR and all the race teams figuring out how to handle this place, but it is a monster. Uh, there is nothing like it other than maybe miles up there in Dover, uh, since I say the words monster, but, but truthfully there is, this place from a physics perspective and, and getting into all the nitty gritty details that my team has to do. There's just simply nothing else to look at. This is, this is the one. And then uh, for coach, congratulations. Um, just want to get your thoughts on Ty's run tonight. Yeah, just really, really proud of Ty. I think he was uh, in the middle of the race there. He really felt good. He was really fast. And so we just appreciate um, the fact that he understands this. You got to earn your way, and so he's got to keep fighting, and and we'll just see because you can't. There's no way to talk your way or buy your way. You got to race your way, and so we're proud of what he's done so far. Just I want to say, just proud of our teams, and Chris and Denny. I mean that car has been really, really as good as any three races we've had. Just really appreciate that and the fact that we got to win tonight. Appreciate Martin from a standpoint. Couldn't have had two worse races, and you wouldn't dream that, you know, what could happen to you like that. But it shows you how hard our sport is. Um, and also, 
you know, I felt like Christopher was really fast tonight, too. So it was, it was a thrill for us. You worked so hard, as Chris said. There's so much can happen. We love coming here. This is one of the real show, showcase p place places for our sport. And just we appreciate being a part of it. We appreciate a win like tonight. Any other questions for Coach or Chris? Go back up here to Bob. Bob Harkers, Fox Sports. Uh, for Coach, were you a little bit flabbergasted after the first two weeks that Martin could, like, why are you thinking about Martin potentially missing after winning the no. regular season? I think everybody all week talked about it. And so you couldn't turn on Sirius Radio or anything without people saying this could be the first. You know, we're, and it just shows you what can happen in our sport and how hard it is. You know, we, we probably made some mistakes at Darlington, which is one of his best racetracks, and hit the wall there and probably should have taken a different approach on it. And James was certainly upset about all that. And then to come back and puncture a tire like that, I've never had that happen. Uh, you know, puncture a tire probably sometime on just warming up for the race, coming on pit road for checking everything on pit road. Uh, it just it never happened to us before. And so we were in a real hole. And so just appreciate those guys the way they fought tonight. Lee Spencer, catch friends. Coach, can you just talk about Ty tonight? Um, you know, how he kept just going along, had a solid finish, and, you know, morale builder. Yeah, it is. I think it's just building steps, you know, taking a step. I think this is the most laps he's led. And so it's just kind of one step after another for a young guy. Um, I think the only young guy that came into our sport and just killed it right off the bat is sitting next to me. <laughs> it's the only one we've had, I think. So it's hard work. Ty's going to have to earn his way. And I think tonight was a, was a really a big step for him. Zach Sterniel, NASCAR.com. Coach, um, I'm curious, uh, sorry, on your left. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious uh, from the ownership perspective, having all three cars advance to the round of 12, how significant is that for the organization? Certainly the, the, the level of performance is there where I'm sure there's a level of expectation to get to this point, but to execute it, especially understanding that Martin entered beneath that elimination line, how significant is that for the organization? Yeah, it, it means so much. This is our playoff. The way it's designed is so tough you know, to get from one round to the next. And it means so much for us, just you just mentioned that, but it's Toyota, it's our sponsors, and our sport, obviously, it's, you know, you got FedEx on Denny's car, you got Interstate Batteries, you got <laughs> Bass Pro, Johnny, call me, uh, from the wilderness someplace. And uh, it just means a lot to our sponsors and to... Um, our manufacturer is just all the way across the board, so to have three cars advance is really a big deal for us. Jordan Bianchi, The Athletic. Uh, this question is for Chris and Denny. Um, when you struggle to get out of a round, you have everything go wrong, and yet you still advance. Does it give you like some kind of confidence? Does it just kind of allow you to kind of reset and say, listen, the bottom fell out and we still moved on and just kind of forget about it? 
Uh, yeah. So when when someone asked Coach what it meant to to let the nine, you know, kind of the nineteen to advance after everything they fought. I think he's writing a story about Martin Truex. What I was thinking was, that's okay. Let him write. <laughs> I'm going to give him something to write about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what I was thinking was, they're going to be tough to beat. Uh, I know what they have. I know what their resources are. I work very closely with the, closely with them. Um, you know, once you know, if if you get down once, shame on shame on the situation. Get down twice, shame on them. They aren't going to get down twice. They're going to be tough to beat. So uh, I'm ready for the challenge, but I'll guarantee you they will bounce back stronger in round two. Yeah, I mean certainly it's uh, you know. They got through because of the hard work they put in the regular season. Uh, they get rewarded for it as they should. Um, it, it it buys you some some insurance, right? You know, I don't think anyone, or certainly they probably didn't plan on having the finishes they did. Um, some of it was unfortunate circumstances, and some of them you just you know didn't hit it that day, right? But they earn that position to live another day, and they're good enough that I mean, there's not one week that you go to and just because of this little three race stretch that ain't nobody sleeping on them that's for sure the label means nothing but do you guys consider yourselves the championship favorites i mean i you know i think i don't think i've i've been any better i don't think our team's been any better so i you know at our best i know that we're we're good enough yeah i mean championship favorite is is uh, a term that i think loses its meaning. Um, I think certainly we're a final round favorite. Um, and then you get to Phoenix and it's one race. But yeah, we're executing at a super high level. We have all the pieces put together to do it. So certainly why not us? Thank you. Uh, Adam Cheek, Franchise.com. Uh, Coach, what does it mean to win at Bristol so much uh, on your left? Um, 15 wins there in the last 14 years. What does it mean to win there so much and have that level of excellence at a track like this? I think for our, our whole sport, if you ask fans all across the country, NASCAR fans, they're going to rate this place as one of the absolute favorites, the place where they like to come. Uh, I remember all the way back to Dale Jarrett. I asked him what racetrack do you like the best, and he said Bristol. The sense of speed and I think it's really hard. It's hard on machine and driver. And for Denny to be as good as he is here, uh, I think it says a lot for the talent uh, of a driver to be able to come to Bristol. So um, we just we just think it's a special place. And so really appreciate something like tonight where we do run good. I mean, you guys could have swept this whole round, so you're you're on it. But how do you keep that up at this point going forward? Uh, I mean, no no race owes you a thing. This sport owes you nothing. In fact, it will take from you far more than it gives to you. Um, we had to talk about that today. Uh, so you just have to do it for the love of the game and show up every week as prepared as you can show up and thankful that you get to play uh, a game for a living at, at the sports top level and you have all the pieces that it takes to to achieve greatness and whether you get it or not you know that that in the grand scheme of things isn't necessarily what it's all about 
and um, we're going to keep taking that approach. It's been working well for us, and, and um, see see how it goes. I think we definitely have all that it takes to do it. Zach? Zach Sternale, NASCAR.com. Denny, um, Bubba entered knowing, or you entered knowing that Bubba was 19 points out. He points his way into this next round on, on merit, This especially after crashing at Kansas. This could have been a really heavy weight for him. To see him overcome that, how significant is that for you as, as the car owner to have seen his growth to this point? Yeah, I'm really happy with, you know, where that team is progressing to and, you know, really happy for Bubba. I don't, I don't think he's the highest he's ever finished is 20-something in points. Um, so he's doing well. He's he's really working uh, on his craft, and he's doing all the right things, and he's, you know, studying the right things, and he's really working with the team well. Uh, him and Tyler are working really well together. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy with the trajectory that that, whole organization's on. I mean, it's just, you know, not three years complete, you know, to have two cars now in the round of 12s. Very, very humbling. Um, and certainly, you know, our goal going into the year was to have two cars in the playoffs. And now to have two in the next round, you know, it's, you know, we're, this is just icing on the cake. They keep, this is nothing but bonus from here on out. Is there any more questions for Chris Gabehart? We'll go to Dustin. Dustin Long, NBC Sports. Chris, um, I don't recall hearing you talk about for love of the game as much as you have tonight. And I'm curious, is that something you've always had, maybe I've just missed, or is that a new idea, philosophy? Obviously, with this team, every year you guys are so strong. We talk about how strong you guys are, and then, you know, what happens, happens. So is that more of a, a philosophy or way to – the, the, the mantra for the team this year? In uh, it's just a reminder for myself. Listen, there's no way you can, can you can perform at this level as well as this team does and not love the game. I mean, it's impossible. You cannot put in the amount of effort that it takes to compete at this level without an extreme amount of passion uh, for what you do. It's impossible. Um, but I think sometimes we let uh, the numbers and – the Kansas wins that slip away and the Darlington wins that slip away and, you know, you lose the pole by eight thousandths of a second. You get caught up in the numbers. You get caught up in the details. And the, the details uh, and the, the love for the pursuit of perfection is what brings you to the opportunities to win. They do not guarantee it. And, again, they will take it from you. This sport will take it from you more than it gives it to you. But I think it's just important to keep focus on how lucky we are to do what we do. And... Um, even on your worst days, things won't be that, be that bad, and I just think that's an important message for everybody, not, not just our team, but um, it's certainly a, a great spot to be in, and I don't take it lightly. And, and for you and Denny, you referenced Kansas, but you both talked about how last week was 60 and, and how many of those, of those opportunities you had in a one. And, and I 20 think, of 61 now. <laughs> but see, that, you always hear that. You shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't say the negative aspect because that's the thing that gets stuck in your head. And that's, you know, if, I, if I'm the crew chief, I say don't go long on the box, then that's the last thing you hear. So if you guys are focusing on the races that you lose, are you not doing more damage to yourself? And, and like I said, that's why I was kind of intrigued about this for the love of the game because you guys talk about how much you've lost all these races. Yeah, but from my standpoint, it's like 
since we've been together to have 61 opportunities to win, like that just shows that what we have is pretty special. And yeah, it, it is. And but it also shows you that you know how unpredictable the sport can be, right? I mean, how much of a team aspect. I, you know, I've said this a billion times. Other sports, your competitors make a mistake, boom, you pounce, you you capitalize. In our sport, Chris Buescher blows a tire, and <laughs> and it caused us a win. So it's like it just it happens in our sports. You're not going to win 100% of the time that you've got the best car or a car capable of winning, you know, we're on a 30% clip right now. That's, it's okay. I mean, it's, it's really hard really in the next gen era more than ever. Um, I think with the gen six car, you, your win rate should be probably a little higher than that. Um, but everyone's so close nowadays, track positions, everything, restarts, blah, blah, blah. 30% not terrible. It, it isn't, you know, we, we definitely can get, caught up and man we should have had that one should have had that one but we keep showing up like we're doing these nights happen because we just keep showing up we keep giving ourselves more opportunities and if you know if over the next seven weeks he gives me a, a car rated number one all seven weeks by the numbers we should win two and a half of them right so it's it, you know we're, we're still in a really good position and you know certainly I don't take for granted that um, we, we put in a lot of work to, to do this. This doesn't, as Chris says, doesn't happen by accident, right? <laughs> We're clearly doing something right. And, you know, but at times you, you do have to remind yourself that, you know, it is a game. We get to do what we love. And, you know, I'm still, I still love it as much as I ever have. I, I do. Just, and a lot of it is because I show up every week knowing I can win. Um, there's been many years that that's just not, been the case but you know there's just something special about you know this year and really the last four or five that's just been a lot of fun from my standpoint chris thank you for your time we'll let you uh let you get back to tech any other questions for coach and coach will let you go as well thank you so okay, much let me, let me mention one thing i always think about our people back the 450 people at work there, I wish they could be here. I'm glad that we get to hang a banner where I get a chance to thank them. But JD was always focused on everything that happened with our race team. He related it back to those people and the obligation that we have to take care of them. So I just really appreciate them and the fact that we can live in a country where we can race cars and do this, have the fun that we have and provide a place where people can maybe stay for their entire career. Uh, I just want to emphasize that, how fortunate we are. Most people around the world don't even have enough to eat, and we get a chance to do this. So, And J.D. was always focused on that. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. All right, we're going to Michael, then Bob, then Cole. Michael Massey, French Stretch. Denny, you talk about the you know the march for 60 wins as a goal of yours, and um, you you get 51 here. You're now 13th all time, but you break the tie with Junior Johnson, so now you're the most all time without that title. Obviously, you want to change that in seven weeks. I'm guessing mm -hmm. to not have that title anymore. But um, how does that feel in this moment to, to be yeah. the, the best, you know, the, the winningest with, yeah. you know, without the title? 
Yeah, I mean, I've had a lot of great opportunities. Um, you know, this day and this era of NASCAR racing is tougher to win than 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 it's ever been. There's more cars capable of winning. Um, you know, we we all run the same parts and pieces nowadays, so finding an edge is so difficult. We all share each other's data, so everyone there is no secrets for drivers anymore. Like, it's just to find edges, it's really really difficult. So, for me, I feel very blessed and you know honored to have the amount of wins that we've had in this era of of NASCAR racing um you know I, I I've been blessed to be with Joe Gibbs <laughs> honestly you know that uh I didn't have to go with an up-and-coming team I, I went straight to cup in a race winning car I wasn't race winning it when I got in it but it you know the team was right so I never really had to cut my teeth for years uh, with a with a lesser organization, so uh, that's carried me. Uh, JGR's team, the 450 people we talked about, the shop built built me the fastest cars for decades, and then now you know we're racing NASCAR's car and still being successful, right? So it's really cool to win on all kinds of different tracks, with different cars, with different tires, with all this different stuff, and we still find a way to adapt and and win. So um, Certainly, you know, it's it's nights like tonight are certainly pleasing after having a couple of weeks of like, darn, we should have got them, right? Keep knocking on the door. Keep showing up. Keep making it to the Final Four. Eventually, your your number will be called, and hopefully, you know, this is the year for it to be called. Well, Bob Parker's Fox Sports, I had a couple. The first, I mean, it looks like it could come down to you and Larson. You guys are both the most consistent it seems like with speed, what are you going to have to do to beat him over the next seven weeks? Well, I'm not looking to beat him over the next seven weeks. I'm just looking to try to get there, um, trying to get to Phoenix. You know, once we get there, then I'll focus on what it will take to be the best that day. It's not him. It's, it's us, right? We know week in, week out, if we are at our best, we, we can't be beat. I, I just don't think so. Um, but, you know, you just never know. You just never know. I, but the process, I don't want to keep skipping ahead of the next round and the next round. Um, I can't, there's no way I can focus on Phoenix right now because there's too many unknowns between now and then. But certainly um, this year is different. And, you know, I told you guys before the playoffs started, you know, this year just feels different uh, with the capabilities of our team and, and the speed we're showing. So, you know, we've we've raced head to head the last three weeks, right? And he's it's been kind of one two, one two, one two. So uh, we we don't anything can happen. And and certainly he's not looking at me over the next six weeks. And I there's no way I can look at him. Um, we just have to figure out how we're going to get there with a shot. And was there ever a point? Did you was there a point that you decided, okay, I'm going to just play to the crowd and play to the hate and just taunt? Every time you win, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, at some point, yeah, I, I got to realize, uh, 18 years in, that I'm, I'm probably not going to win the most popular driver award. Uh, I've, I've come to the conclusion of that. I understand it, um, but, but yeah, it's clearly, um, they think they bother me, but clearly, it's having an opposite effect. So, I welcome any fan to want to come to the dark side. Um, I, you know, it's to 
all five of my fans are still out there chanting my name. They're over in turn three right now. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, as Cat Williams said, a, a hater can't stand a winner. Cool. Thank you. Denny, Cole Cusimano with Arizona Republic. First off, congratulations. Um, how did it feel to win the Bristol night race with MJ in attendance, and did you talk with him uh, after the race? I have not, no. Um, uh, you know, it was a big weekend for the 45 car and with Jay Balvin on the car and that collab. So I was, you know, I was being a fanboy in the middle of practice. I'm taking pictures of Tyler Reddick's suit, you know, t- t- texting the guys to make sure I get that suit after this weekend. So, like, uh, it's really cool the kind of the crossover stuff they're doing. But, uh, yeah, I'm jealous at times of the paint schemes, jealous of um, the MJ stuff that Tyler gets to run. But, uh, you know, I it's we're we're still partners and Michael, you know, views us winning just like he does our race team. So uh, he says every weekend he's got three chances to win, and so this one he won. And what are you doing with that sword? Fighting off all the haters. Just I'm all nice. jam them in the gut. They come close to me. Kelly. Kelly Crandall, Rancher.com. Danny, you've said it a few times now, and you have tonight, which is this year feels different. If you keep knocking, eventually the door is going to open up. How exhausting is it, though, at this point to keep trying to do this year after year and go through this process and just not be worn down by the fight to just get to that winner-take-all race? It's a grind for sure, but he said it, right? You have to love the game. You know, I still love it, right? I I very well could get knocked out next round or next and then this year is up. Oh, we failed again. But I still love it. I love the process it takes to come to the racetrack and be fastest in practice and fastest in qualifying and win the race. Like, it takes a lot of work, and it takes a lot of dedication. And usually at this point of probably drivers' careers, they start not loving it as much because you just got so much other stuff going on. But I'm, I'm, I'm a competitor, and I love competing and you know, at 42, I, I love this sport as much as I ever have and what it takes to find an edge, right? I, it used to be back in the day, we could just, Joe would just build me a faster car than everyone else. You know, we'd come up with a new trick chassis and we'd just smoke everyone. I didn't have to put in a whole lot of work. You know, you just kind of rely on the fast car. Now, with everything common, the driver's the number one X factor in your performance week in, week out. That is a fact. So it's on my shoulders to find the edges, find the gray areas of where, where can I get better? Where's my deficits? Um, and I enjoy that process. So the, the joy and the, and the, and the, your love of competition in the, when it gets to the playoffs, how different is the satisfaction or the feeling of winning a race in the playoffs versus the first 26? Yeah, it's different for sure. Um, you know, it's, like, you know, this is different than if we would have won Darlington, right? You know, because even after Darlington, now you still got work to do in this round where, you know, I think a couple of years ago we won the first race in the first two rounds. And so we had four races where we were kind of, all right, well, let's just move on and work on the next tracks in the next round. Um, but right now we're in the grind of, okay, well, we're week to week because, you know, up until this week where we felt pretty locked in, um, but yeah, it's there. It is different. Winning in the playoffs is different because you know that everyone is, all the drivers are as focused as they've ever been. The teams are bringing the 
best, you know, they're putting as much time as they've ever put in all, all season long. And, you know, when you can get the best of them, you know, you know, you did your job that week. Question in the press box. So we have a question in the press box, Chris Knight. Hold on. Uh, ChrisMikeGetSense.com. Denny, tonight you led over 14,000 laps in your NASCAR Cup Series career. I think that put you in the top 12 of all drivers in the in the, in the sport overall. What kind of accolade does, is that for your career, and is that important to you? Yes. Um, I mean, Chris says you know, we can't get too too caught up in the numbers, but that's a lot of laps. <laughs> so uh, it's it's crazy. Time has just flown by, but 14,000 laps. It's that's crazy and uh you know certainly you know I, i've never been a leading laps type of guy I, I typically manage races and i i manage it until the, to get to the end right i don't really care about leading the first lap and leading all the stages um so you know typically my style is not going to lead to leading a lot of laps um it's more race management to figure out what i need to do to to win the race at the very end um, so it's it's a great accomplishment. I'm, I'm blessed to be with the team that I'm with and, and the manufacturer I'm with. That's that's what's that's what's got that for me. And your outlook on Texas Motor Speedway next weekend? Yeah, I mean we already started working on it. Uh, we were there. We did the test uh, with Goodyear, uh, myself, Logano, and I think Suarez. You know, I feel pretty good about it. I feel like that tire is very very different. And I think it probably could catch a few teams off guard uh, and, and not uh, be what they expected because it is very different. Uh, but we at least kind of have a baseline uh, of what that is, and we're going to you know, start to work on it to try to put the fast car track on the track next week too. So I feel like we, we're in a good, as good a spot as anyone going into next week. Davey Siegel with SiriusXM. So, you know, last year you were talking about how you like to thrive on chaos. This year you said with the two 23-11 cars in the playoffs, your focus was going to shift a little bit from being team owner slash driver to pretty much just driver. Mm -hmm. With both your cars now on to the next round and you now having three races under your belt with that whole new situation, how do you feel like you're handling everything as driver Denny versus owner Denny? It's been it's been fun. I mean, the last few weeks, I've honestly, you know, there's more to it than that, too. You know, like any, you know, personal service deals that I have, sponsor obligations, I always, my team always front loads all that stuff for before the playoffs. That way, you know, get all my obligations done. That way, I have more time these last 10 races, you know, to, to focus on the small details that, you know, that you don't always look at during the regular season. You know, it just fine-tuning right it's just more time to massage your craft or the car or information you have with your team so for me to kind of put 2311 a little bit on the back burner here the last 10 it's um it's been awesome i've actually had a few afternoons where i was able to sit down and not do anything which is fabulous uh so i uh it's 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 been refreshing for sure i've had more time to hang out with friends and play golf if i want to or you know, basketball leagues started back up. My team's undefeated there. We're on a roll. Um, so I, uh, I'm having fun right now. I really am. So it's, uh, you know, the, there's a lot of stress with the ownership side for sure. And, you know, we're working on a lot of different things. Uh, and sometimes it can kind of
kind of scatter your brain in, in a ton of different ways, but you know, it certainly helps me sleep better because I'm not, you know, my mind's not in a creative mode or thinking mode right before bread, bed. Um, you know, there's a lot of benefits, and obviously, on track's been really good the last three weeks. Danny, uh, Seth Edgar, uh, kicking tires. You mentioned the cool factor as far as uh, the collaborations with Jay Balvin and MJ. How much of a morale and motivation boost can that be for 2311? It's good. I mean, you know, those guys know what they're representing. Uh, it's a big brand that they're representing, and you know, to see uh, seven or eight of Jay Balvin's crew here, seven or eight from Jordan Brand here, uh, that don't always go to races. That's that's big, right? And that's why Michael came into the sport is to, um, you know, open up his platform to an audience that, that probably not as familiar. So, you know, I think that uh, they understand what they're representing. That team works really, really close together. Uh, certainly it's a lot different than, than a lot of teams that are out there. And, um, you know, certainly when you have, you know, these type of collabs, you know, the biggest hurdle for me is getting everyone's shoe order to their, deliver to their house on time. Lee Spencer, Catch Fence. Since Chris joined you guys in 2019, and I remember what a gut punch it was at Homestead because you were like lights out, and then you guys made that arrow change by putting tape on the grill, and it was just like devastating. Um, but I'm wondering from that low moment to now, what has been the biggest gains that you guys have made as partners and as a team? You know, we really haven't changed that much from like year one to now because it's been we've realized as long as we keep trusting each other it's things are things are good like when i have concerns I, i'm not afraid to reach out to him and express those right because it you know a crew chief and a driver's you know it's like a marriage well i guess i wouldn't know anything about that but it's you know i guess you're supposed to listen to the other person and you know be empathetic and all that other stuff um <laughs> but yeah well that's what i heard um so i feel like you know i i can't be afraid to say hey i have concerns about this and he can't be defensive when i i have those concerns and then when he tells me you knucklehead you shouldn't be doing this you should be doing that i understand it comes from a place of him wanting me to get better right and it's very easy if you're a veteran of the team to say, well, this is the way I've always been doing it. And sorry, like, you know, if you just make the car drive, like I want it to drive, we'll win every week. Well, his job is to say, well, perhaps you should adjust as well. And that's, that's what makes this relationship really work well is that we trust each other and we're pushing each other to be better. And um, so I, I think that that's really special in our series and you don't get it often. And I lied, we'll take one more, and we'll wrap up with Jeff. Yeah, I mean, obviously none of us have ever been in this situation, so I don't know if you can describe it to us, but, like, what's it like to stand in the middle of, like, this massive arena, all the attention and the energy is, like, directed onto you, and you're, like, addressing all these people, like, you have the floor for a moment. Like, <laughs> what, what does that feel like? Yeah, it's it's why I love this track, right? I mean... It doesn't matter whether it's cheers or booze. Like it's, you know, you've earned the right to be on that stage for that given moment, for that interview or whatever it might be. Um, so, 
it's gratifying. I mean, I'm I'm a person that that you know feeds off of that because you know I know that my hard work has paid off, right? And you know, stuff it is like Dion says it like what you know what what about in me thinks I care about what you think about me because it's not the same opinion I that I have of myself, right? So I know who I am. I know you know how I treat people and. Um, it's okay, right? It's it's okay to to have fandom one way or another, but you know to have just electricity, it's that's fun. This is this is a really fun moment in sports, and it's really fun in NASCAR to have that many fans passionate one way or another, right? Um, that's good for our sport. Okay, Denny, congratulations, thanks for all the time, and all good right. luck next week at Texas. Everybody talk shit. Come bring it. You'll have to see it to believe it. Whoever said that must have been talking about Talladega. It's a place where chaos mixes with speed. And a playoffs weekend becomes a lifetime of memories. It's a tradition like no other. At a track like no other. And after it's all over, you still won't believe it ever happened. NASCAR Playoffs Weekend at Talladega, September 30th through October 1st. Get your tickets now at talladegasuperspeedway.com. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.